Hey everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everyone. Saul Marquez is here. And today I have the privilege of hosting the amazing Dr. Charles Keller. He's a scientific director at the Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute. His research focuses on the development of more effective, less toxic therapies for childhood cancers. His special interest is advanced disease that has spread beyond the initial location of the cancer or which makes the tumor unresectable. Charles has co-chaired the Brain Tumor Development Therapeutics Committee of the Children's Oncology Group and is a member of the Soft Tissue Sarcoma Committee of Children's Oncology Group. He has also regularly been a standing ad hoc or ad hoc member of the NIH NCI study sections. He's just an extraordinary person and leader. Uh, he's got his biomedical engineering undergrad, then went to Baylor College of Medicine, where he received his MD degree. He is doing amazing things. And today we're going to be covering the fantastic work that he does for, for children, children specifically dealing with cancer. And so, Charles, such a pleasure to have you here with us. So I'm humbled to be here in Outcomes Rocket and uh, really appreciate you making childhood cancer a topic for the day. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to, as well as all the listeners, we're looking forward to learning from you, Charles, because there's an opportunity to learn here. The work that you and your team does is, is extraordinary for the kids that end up with cancer. And so before we dive into some of the specifics, I'd love to know more about what inspires your work in healthcare. Well, I, I guess we all find that cause that uh, that becomes our mission and drives us in life. Childhood cancer was that for me from the time of medical school, but but sort of in more recent history, uh, as we all sort of head towards midlife and reevaluate our our priorities, uh, my four and a half year old daughter asked me if I'd ever done anything in my life, in my research life, that had ever saved anyone's life ever. And so, uh, answering a four and a half year old that question, I had to say no which made me reevaluate the process of trying to develop childhood cancer cures and led us on unusual but kind of fun nonprofit biotech approach to getting basic science discoveries to the start of clinical trials for children with cancer. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. I, I was actually talking to another guest and these interactions, you never know where they're going to come from. For, for you, Charles, it was that question from your four-year-old daughter. And for others, it's, it's other things, right? A, a conversation with a patient or one-on-one -on -one with an employee. But it's a matter of being receptive to those messages when they come. And so for you, it was, it hit you. And so now you're doing something about it. Talk to us about your work and how you guys are adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. Right. Uh, well, so CCTDI, the Children's Cancer Therapy Development Institute, is a 501c3 nonprofit biotech that tries to both understand how cancers work, but also test and evaluate thoroughly the drugs that might hit a particular target to stop that cancer from working. Then we deliver that preclinical data package to um, both the cooperative groups of children's hospitals that do the trials and the pharmaceutical companies that have the drugs. And we're able to take a small 
400,000 unit of research in petri dishes and test tubes and animals and bring that to de-risk the investment of pharmaceutical companies to make available six to $700,000 worth of drug and de-risk it for the cooperative group of children's hospitals that run the trials to run a $10.5 to $12 million clinical trial. Well, you know, so really you're providing such a, an incredible environment to facilitate the development of medications that work. And that's so great for you to do that. And then on the pharma side, you're helping them de-risk their investment. Where did you guys come up with the idea for CCTDI? And tell us a little bit more about the, the spark there. Great. Okay. Well, everything starts with a driving clinical problem. And the driving clinical problem is that in this era, there's wonderful results for adult cancer. There are 12 or more drugs so effective at extending and saving the life of adults with cancer to earn FDA approval. But for kids, there have only been 11 instances of primary FDA approvals for childhood cancer since 1978. Hmm. So that's 11 in 43 years for kids, but 12 every year for adults. So we had to ask, you know, what's the issue? And the issue is easy. It's a really small market. There may be um, each year about 16,000 children who develop cancer. Uh, the most common form might represent slightly over a thousand patients. Uh, but for adult cancer, there's more than 1.7 million mm. every year. And so if you have a market where on average, a common childhood cancer may have 400 patients, that's not something that a pharmaceutical company can develop an R&D group on. It's not necessarily something they're going to spend their time testing drugs in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, preclinical animal studies. But if you do the basic science research, find out what the target is, deliver results of a drug, their drug that hits that target at clinically achievable levels, there are these wonderful internal champions at pharma that will say, of course, we're very sympathetic. We have our own kids. We want to make that drug available to you. We'll find a way. And so we're solving what's called the preclinical gap. The difference between universities studying the basic science of how cancer works but then also the preclinical testing to make sure you're picking the right drug at the right dose to get it into clinical trials so that children with cancer can have these hope-filled clinical trial options. Wow, that's really great. And you, you called out something really, really important, Dr. Keller, is that you have these very small populations. So the market's small and the motivation to commercialize is not there, right? I mean, you know, ultimately for-profit companies with the need for ROI. Unfortunately, these kids fall through the cracks. And um, 11 in the last 40-some years versus 12 a year is, is startling. Yeah. Well, thanks for summarizing that so well. And I think it's hardest, of course, for the families who say, you know, we've known about this cancer now for uh, 70 years. Uh, what progress do we have and what effective treatments do we have? But if you just want to take brain tumors, for example, there have been no childhood cancer brain tumor therapies um, that have received primary FDA approval in all of history. And since the beginning of man, uh, there have been two secondary approvals. Uh, one was in the early 2000s for sirolimus for a very rare form of inheritable sagoma tumor for children with tuberous sclerosis. And the other drug that was developed was BCNU, which is a derivative of mustard gas in 1978. Wow. And that's it. That's it. Crazy. I mean, it's amazing. So then through the work that you and your team do, you're creating this opportunity to access 
some potential solutions, right? And so I'd love to hear if you have any stories you'd like to tell around how you and your team have helped improve outcomes or to your daughter's question, have you saved a life, dad? Well, if you allow me, I'll tell you a story about my friend, David. So my friend, David Glass is a muscle expert at Novartis and uh, his mother passed away of cancer. And he realized that to honor her memory, he couldn't do anything to help her to honor her memory for her kind of cancer, but he was a muscle expert. I studied childhood muscle cancers. And so he said, why don't we do something together that would honor my mother by studying childhood cancer? And he said, we'll test a few drugs. And and so I said, well, great. He said, how about 640? I said, well, 640 sounds super because there have only been 600 drugs studied for childhood cancer in since 1950. And uh, he said, well, Charles, you you really misunderstand me. I mean, 640,000. So that's a thousand times more than been studied in all of all of time. But Novartis did this, Novartis GNF did this in a weekend. Now, mind you, they they had breast cancer research going on during the week, so they couldn't take the robots offline, but they have enough robots to fill a football end zone. And so there was one badly behaving robot and the technician had to go in at 9.45 p.m. on a Saturday night to sort of set it back in motion. Mm. Uh, But from a Friday to a Monday, they screened 640,000 compounds, delivered me an Excel file with the names of all drugs and their chemical structures and said, you know, there are 30,000 hits, 2,400 super hits and 446 super duper hits. Of those, the top 13 compounds all fall in the same cardiovascular drug class that's been approved and safe since 1992 in extended release capsules. Why don't you pursue that? Fascinating. That is fascinating. So have you pursued it? We have. Okay. We, we absolutely Tell us about have. that. I'd love to learn more. Well, sure. So to, to make a long story short, uh, the cell lines that we t- sent them for the screen from a, were from a genetically engineered mouse model that I developed back when I was training with uh, Nobel laureate Mario Capecchi. They're very rob- robust growing cells. They resemble the human de- disease very well. We took the compounds from Novartis, double-checked them against two dozen human cell lines from that childhood muscle cancer. They all had activity. We did a series of compounds in the same class and found a structure-activity relationship that the longer the side chain got, the better the activity was. We've done subsequent uh, studies to look at the different mechanisms underlying that and continue to work with Novartis on moving our lead compound to a revised lead that would not only have great anti-cancer properties, but not affect heart rate or blood pressure. And so one of those examples, there was something no one ever expected to be the right kind of drug for childhood muscle cancer, Uh, but through simple application of existing technology and some internal champions, we now have a drug in motion. Wow. That's awesome, Dr. Keller. Congratulations on that. That's amazing, right? From a weekend of analysis, you get this, I mean, gosh, I can't even imagine how many rows and columns were in that spreadsheet. It was monstrous. It's (laughs) 80 megabytes, actually. So, you know, 80 megabytes worth of rows and columns, you narrow it down to about 12, and now you have a drug that is potentially beneficial to a muscle cancer and kids could, could potentially benefit from. As you think about different angles to provide access to this type of medicine. Obviously, the work that you guys are doing, your organization is making a difference. But what would you say is is one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced and maybe that other people experience in trying to make 
what you've done possible? Great. Well, I think it's the same. It's the same thing that we faced when we got those other drugs into clinical trials. So, if a drug has an adult market, uh, it has what they would call in, in sort of vernacular legs. If a drug has an adult market that can make money for it, it will be around. It can be used. It can be repurposed or have a secondary purpose. Purpose for children with cancer. When drugs uh, don't meet their endpoints for adult cancer or adult disease, they get shelved. And getting it off the shelf is the absolute hardest part. Sometimes you would think it might be the easiest part, but just to take a drug off the shelf and hand it over to the banker's box worth of of, um, paperwork, regulatory paperwork, double checking that the amount of drug that's stored is still good and that that it's not since become uh, perishable, that costs about $750,000 to a million dollars. So just to take a failed drug off of the shelf, like a drug that didn't meet its intended goal, it's going to cost 750 to a million dollars. Well, not only that, Saul, but everyone who cared about that drug generally moved on from that pharma company at that point. And so you have a pharmaceutical company that said from a business point of view, that drug is no longer of interest. There's nobody who who has familiarity with it anymore. You have to spin up a whole new set of employees to go get all of the stored information to double check the science, re-familiarize themselves with it. It's not insignificant. There's a lot of work to it. But sometimes, remarkably, you find internal champions that will, will go to bat and make this available for you. So we at CCTDI, Nonprofit Research Lab, we realized one thing very quickly. You can't file for FDA approval or a registration trial unless you're a for-profit entity. So we did what every nonprofit figures they would. We went ahead and started an Oregon Public Benefit Corporation for-profit pediatric cancer biopharma called Artisan Biopharma, wholly owned, entirely owned by the nonprofit 501c3. And so we have a team of people at Artisan Biopharma that have term sheets out on drugs to in-license them. And sort of the next natural step, right, is to um, to get the investors, really the venture philanthropists, to bring forth funds to invest so that we can fulfill those term, term sheets. Wow. Well, that's uh, certainly noble work, Charles, and very admirable that, that you guys are, are working to, to bring these things to market, just considering a lot of the, the obstacles and challenges that come with it. You know, who cares? It's not about, hey, the market's only a thousand. It's every life matters. And so your, your work is so meaningful. And really, I'm sure folks, you're listening to this today. You're like, wow, what a guy. Well, it's him. It's his team. Dr. Keller is just uh, providing a phenomenal opportunity for kids around the world. Kudos to you, Charles. And so as we think about what you're most excited about today, what would you say that is and how are you approaching it? It's a great question. Uh, you know, at the top of my head, it's the opportunities to think world first for children with cancer around the world. I think you made that point. They're really just in your last sentence. So one of the most interesting drugs that we have as would help children with sarcomas is called Intinistat. It did not meet its, its endpoints for breast cancer. Uh, and so it's being evaluated elsewhere in the world, particularly by a company called Edding Pharma out of Shanghai. 
So with one of my other collaborations I have with IBM to use the World Community Grid to do drug design for childhood cancers, I happen to know the head of pediatric cancer treatment, uh, pediatric hematology oncology at Hong Kong University. And so we're looking at a way to bring Intinistat provided by Edding Pharma to a clinical trial in Hong Kong and Shenzhen to benefit the children in Hong Kong and Shenzhen who have sarcomas. But then, with that information gained from a phase two trial, be able to bring it back to the U.S. for a phase three trial. Well, I think that's awesome. So now you are working globally. <laughs> it, it's all about it's all about friends and internal champions, and there's some really amazing internal champions at Edding Pharma. Wow. Well, great, great call out there, and kudos to the Edding Pharma team for the work that you're doing in collaboration with Charles and and, and his team. There's opportunities all around us. And, and I think, Dr. Keller, you've mentioned, find those internal champions. You know, there's, there's, there's other people that care. It's just a matter of taking that first step as the first one to care and do something about it because you will find somebody to, to help support what you're working toward. And, and so I love what you guys are up to. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the work just compound Dr. Keller, you know, you, you continue doing what you do. There's going to be solutions for a lot of these kids. And so what closing thought would you leave us all with? And then where can the listeners learn more about you and, and the work that your team does? Well, thank you for that. So the closing thought is that you can do a tremendous amount when you do it as a community and for a mission-based cause. And then the places to reach us are on our website. Uh, so we're at cc-tdi.org. We're also on Facebook at cctdi lab. Uh, but we'd love to hear from people, and it's really it's really the opportunities to meet people who have outside expertise different from ours that generally make the difference. I love it. Well, folks, uh, just a, a great opportunity to to learn more about what Charles and his team are up to. cc-tdi org. There's an opportunity for you to donate. Um, actually, the podcast will be donating as well here on behalf of all, all of our listeners. So I encourage you all to, to do the same. We'll leave the link there in the, in the show notes, $10, $25, 50 bucks, you name it. But the work that Dr. Keller and his team are doing is just incredible. We want to support him and what he's doing. And again, I just want to thank you, Charles, for just sharing what you do with all of us. It's inspiring. And it's certainly making a difference. So we, we really appreciate what you do. Well, so thank you. We, we appreciate what you do a tremendous amount. Look forward to checking back with you as things progress. We look forward to having you back. Thanks, Charles. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.